Hey everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. It is Thursday afternoon, though this is coming out probably Friday morning. Uh, we are a day away from Oregon versus Washington. Uh, couldn't be a heck of a basketball game, but we are sorry, a football game. Basketball's on the brain because the Blazers keep winning and Shaden Sharp keeps playing like he might be a really good player. Uh, Shane, how are you doing, man? We haven't, we haven't done this in a bit. I'm good, but honestly, you're on a goddamn heater, dude. How are you doing? You, you, you came out and you tore Washington apart, um, on Monday and you wrote with, uh, an intensity I haven't seen you write with in a while. And then you came back and blew this bow next thing out of the water. You dominated the press, uh, scrum with him. And then you put this big piece out. Uh, are you going to cool off soon or is this just the new Tyson? Well, you know, it's, uh, you, you take every story one at a time, but, uh, you know, during rivalry week, I, I think, um, you know, I haven't experienced a ton of them around here, but I've talked to some of the other writers and, and learned from their stories about what they've gone through during these tight. No, no, People are actually issuing you apologies publicly right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting, I'm getting the, the Bo Nix treatment. No, 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 man. It was just, I, uh, I, I, you and I had kind of talked logistics about this a little bit, but like we knew at some point we needed to do a Bo Nix profile. And I just figured that, in the next couple of weeks, the national ones are probably going to start coming in. And so, uh, you know, figured, figured we'd fire off our shot early and I'm, I'm sure some people will come in with, uh, some more thorough ones. Uh, but, uh, I, I was, I was happy with how this one turned out. And if, if you're listening to this and haven't read it, uh, it's unlocked at the i5corridor.com. If, if you like it, I just please at least sign up for a free subscription uh, so you can keep getting notified when we have these types of stories. But yeah, man, I, I, I think we've had a, between like, between that story, the Washington one, your Infali Dante one from last week, I've been, uh, I've been pretty happy with uh, what we've been putting out there the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm glad that you were the one to do the boat next one because um, I, I don't know, like I, you, you might feel this too, but I feel like when there's, there's a player that's kind of every, like it's the big story everywhere. I realize it's probably going to be even bigger these coming weeks, but Bo Nix was already a story before this week. Like it can be almost hard to want to write something yourself because I think it can be hard to kind of formulate fresh opinions and fresh takes. And I think what you did kind of um, planting the reader in that scrum and, and kind of connecting that to how, you know, he doesn't make mistakes anymore. Right. Like I thought that was smart because again, I don't know how you feel, but it can be hard to kind of feel like you're recycling a story. Sometimes. He, he I, I found him to be, and this isn't based to anything on his personality, because if you talk to him, he's an incredibly polite and, um, I, I found him to be a pretty good interview. Um, but like I found profiling him, uh, to be intimidating just because I mean, like everyone, you know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to write about somebody that a lot of people know who they are already. And I mean, even before mm -hmm. he got to Oregon, everyone knew Bo Nix. So it was like the, the, the diving into the Auburn stuff was a little intimidating at first, but, um, you know, I, I just kind of, I, I liked kind of the thread between like the different kind of, uh, press scrums and media attention he's gotten at Auburn from basically, uh, eighth grade on when he started on the varsity team, uh, in middle school. <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. And you know, the thing, thing too is, is like, you know, staking your claim in November for this means that we can, uh, we can gear up for maybe a different angle here in uh, the next couple months. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think one angle that's interesting this week is the fact that almost every big face in this rivalry game this weekend is new to the rivalry. 
both quarterbacks, both head coaches. Um, and, and outside of, outside of, you know, those uh, four, you've got some players who, you know, know these rivalries, but even think about, you know, okay, the, the Ducks big defenders like a Bennett Williams, who I'm going to have a story on at some point here soon. He hasn't even played Washington because last season he was hurt the year before that Washington cancels. So I guess from your perspective, and it, it honestly might've even been cool to write about this and we haven't yet. Um, it, it, what are you expecting from this game? Because it's a rivalry that has a lot of history. It's been dominated by Oregon recently, as you wrote on Monday, but you know, all these big faces are new to it. Yeah, it's uh honestly like I'm I'm glad that this this kind of the the last era has hit it like a reset phase with this rivalry just because I thought uh I thought last year just kind of got nasty and I don't know how um I'm gonna try to phrase this correctly but like I felt like a lot of everything that we heard from last year from Cristobal was trying to sell himself for the Miami job and like I I don't think it was uh a surprise that like those those quotes that came out on the instagram lives in the locker room afterwards you know like the you know these fucking guys and like you know they're the worst thing that's ever happened to college football this or that like i don't know like i i that kind of felt like it was a little artificially infused even though like i know the fans loved it and like i i know there it had kind of been bubbling up the last few years especially with uh oregon redeeming itself from uh, uh the 70 point drubbing in 2016 and then you know winning the last three years and then the dubs down and all that but like i i just i just feel like it's time for a new era of that and i i think you know there's a lot of the uh you know have you spent a lot of time learning about the rivalry and all these sorts of things i mean like like these coaches like they, they love a good rivalry and like it's at a time too in the pac 12 where like these are two natural rivals or two good football teams. And there's a lot on the line for this game. So like, I, I think it's going to be just like a pretty hyped up good football game. And then that will kind of set the tone for, for whatever route this takes in, in the years to come. Yeah. I mean, you wrote kind of jokingly that, you know, if you're a UW fan, you know, don't come to Austin, it's going to be a blowout, whatever. We'll see what happens, but you know, they, what they did in, in beating Oregon state in a, in a weird game, which is now probably too late to talk about, but weird game you were there um, is that, that the lights may have now dimmed on the Oregon, Oregon state matchup at the end of the season, but they've, they've, you know, turned up in intensity in terms of uh, I'm using a, a light pun, even though you guys lost uh, light at the stadium, but um, in terms Dude, of the and, Washington and here in St. John's, our power has been out like three of the last four days. Like what is going on Portland general electric anyways, continue. There you go. Exactly. Um, it, but just in terms of, you know, Washington and Oregon, the, the lights are, are brighter. Um, and Christian Capel, uh, your former colleague, I thought had a really nice piece um, this week where he kind of was writing that there's been so much that's happened with this rivalry lately, but that the Washington side especially is completely unrecognizable. This team is nothing like teams of years past. And that it starts with Penix, who you wrote about. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie. I I'm excited for this Penix Bonix matchup. Um, I actually wasn't as I was less than I was less impressed with Penix in person than I had been on watching him on TV. And I, I do understand that one Oregon State has one of the best secondaries in the Pac-12. Um, it, it was bad weather. There was you know some circumstances to to that game on uh, last Friday, but like. 
he he throws into trouble pretty often. He kind of chicken wings it a little bit. I, I think if Oregon's able to generate at least some pressure, um, I, I think you know there's a good chance that they might generate some turnovers in this game. But yeah, like that. Mm. I'm, but I mean, that's just being critical, though. I mean, like he's he's the best quarterback they've had. You know, I, I would I, I think Jake Browning gets a little underrated when you end up looking at it just because he, he did have do, some big years. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he didn't do anything like spectacular, but he won football games. It was kind of almost like the the early Tom Brady sort of method. But I, I think Penix is electric. And anytime you have an electric player, things can happen. So, uh, yeah, I yeah, I was I was I was pretty. uh um I was I was trying to spark things up with that Washington column earlier in the week. Again, you know, rivalry week, but right, um yeah. I, I, I do think that uh, I, I do think that they you know Oregon still has to play a good football game to to win it. But I just think Oregon's been playing better football than most people in the country lately. Yeah. I mean the last thing I'll say on, on this game and I am definitely excited for it is um in and, and to to the Penix thing, like even there was some clips somewhere on Twitter of like him making bad throws into like triple coverage and the commentators still kind of essentially praising him. I think there's been this because he has so many passing yards, he might even be leading the nation. Yeah. He's, he's he's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's also because they throw the ball a lot, Um, but it's a huge week for Oregon's defense. Um, I, I won't, reveal too much what I talked about with him, but I talked to, to Bennett Williams yesterday. And one of the questions I asked him was just like, and I didn't want to, I don't want to cast too much of a broad stroke, but I essentially asked him, I was like, do you guys feel like as a defense, like you need a, a signature game, like as for as great as this offense has been, and you guys have had your moments and maybe not up to snuff. And he was like, yeah, I mean, we're hoping that this Washington game can be that. So it'd be a huge spot for a team that struggled to get off the field on third down. Um, improving but has struggled and i think uh, it, it could be an interesting statement game for them were you at the 2018 washington game at Austin? the yeah that the, was the... my uh that was my freshman year so i was there in the stands um and i actually i'm a little bit ashamed to admit this i almost left before overtime i was with a buddy and we were walking up the steps out of the student site a lot of people had already left we were walking up Cause I'm like, it's a chip shot field goal. Like there's no way this guy misses it, <laughs> but we stop, we turn around the steps and he misses it. And then we run back down and hop in the back of the student section to watch the overtime. And then, you know, people storm the field and everything. So that was, that was pretty nuts. Yeah. That was, that was just a good party. Like that was, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think that was like the biggest game Oregon's necessarily played, you know, recently or, or, or you know, I, I don't know how I would rank that up against other ones, but the the context of that being the first like really big win after firing the Helford staff after Willie Taggart left and then to like still come back and then beat Washington pretty recently after that seventy point uh, loss uh, that was that was a fun party I, I there was a lot of uh, a lot of smiling faces in that stadium I remember uh, like seeing Phil Knight. Uh, chasing like Johnny Johnson down on the sideline and, and everyone just kind of mobbing everybody. Like that was, that, that was near peak Autzen. Uh, I, I think UCLA was pretty, pretty balling a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty good on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are you, I guess, what are you, we're, we're, we're both going to be there, which I think is going to be the first time we're both at a game in Autzen this year. 
Um, what are you looking well, forward it, to? Well, a, a game where we're both working, like you've. Uh, yes, you, fair. You, yes, you, yes, you've, you've enjoyed your time at Ops. <laughs> well, even you know, I'm always looking with a very critical eye. Yeah, no exactly. matter how many it's, sodas I've had. You know? Well, you know, the the best thing about the corridor is we're trying to cover the event from every perspective. Um, yeah, authenticity is is key. Exactly. Uh, what am I looking for in this game? I don't really know, man. Like to be honest, like I want to see Oregon win by like thirty. And and I don't. Oh yeah, say I guess that you, that's what you have to kind of pull for because you're well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, actually, if Washington wins a ton, like I could be getting like the bump from like old takes exposed. It could just be another. Well, thing yeah, we add. did our we did our old takes yeah. exposed podcast draft uh, like, last week, two weeks ago. So we we'd have to redo that for this one. But like at this point in the season, um, it feels so different than last year because like Oregon was pretty highly ranked for the first couple rounds of the playoff stuff last year. But I, I think everyone kind of knew that that train was completely out of gas. I mean, it was, there was a lot of injuries that were mounting up. It, it seems like morale was pretty low uh, here. It's like you, ha you have the same record, but it's everything's peaking right now. Like it seems like they're getting better every week. And I just, this team has that feeling that some of those really good Oregon teams did in the past where like, yeah, you like, it's a good Washington team, but if it's a great Oregon team, the Ducks are going to win by three or four scores. And I just get that vibe in this game. Um, so naturally, Washington's probably going to win by 20 in this one. But um, <laughs> but like that's that's what I want to see, because like if we're going to continue this discussion about whether or not Oregon deserves to be a playoff team and, and they can shake that Georgia loss, um, they need to rack up wins in impressive fashion um, against rivals. Yeah. And I think people yeah. will be watching this one. Well, and I think you're, you're right to kind of point out the fact that they're peaking at the right time because when you think back about last season, like especially with how weak some of the Pac-12 was, like they were never going to outdo themselves after beating Ohio State. That was, you know, a, yeah. a flash in the pan, right? Um, but this year you, you look and, and they're, in, they're in position where they could make a playoff push, but they also do have, um, in terms of strength of schedule, Remaining in terms of win percentage of opponents, uh, Oregon has the hardest with, you know, because it's not only is it um, seven and two Washington this week, it'll be probably a two loss Utah team the week after that. And then, you know, to Oregon State where, yeah, they're, they're six and three, but they're still a formidable team. So there's no gimmies left on the schedule. It, uh, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks for Oregon that Oregon State is a good team now because like I, I feel like anyone nationally who's looking at that stretch they're probably looking at washington and utah and then being like boy like two of their next three games are really tough and like anyone who's watched this season closely knows that oregon state is a good football team but like you know if whether they were two and ten or, or ten or uh um you know they'll probably end up being like seven and seven and five i think everyone, everyone nationally are just going to skip that one regardless yeah yeah, well, you know, seven and five at this point almost feels like a floor. Um, yeah, that, that's know. that. Yeah, that's a fair point. But that game was so winnable for them Friday. I know we don't want to go back into it, but if they, it was like three three throws to open dudes away from like winning that by two or three scores. It's just. Uh, so, I mean, the 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 only thing that I wanted to touch on is I just didn't understand, and it's weird because Smith's been so savvy when it comes to this, but that. The two fourth down calls, I understood going for it. The second one less so. Fourth and four, I'm not sure. The first one, though, that Coletto sneak has worked all year, but it's also everyone knows it's coming. If you're, it was a fourth and like a full two yards. 
you got to get some power. You got to have Coletto blocking for maybe like Martinez or someone who's a stud for a true well, freshman. What was the yard line on that? It, it was it was going for it versus how long was what did the kick have been? Oh, I wish I could remember, but it seemed doable. Although maybe the Yeah. wind was what Well, so so dissuaded so that's them. that's the only thing is it looked like a pretty dry game on TV. You know, it mostly was, but like that wind was it wasn't Mm -hmm. consistent. It was just gusty and whippy. So like I I could see him being like, okay, like the kick's not a sure thing. Our defense is playing well. They're going to have to contend with the elements too. Like let's go for it. But again, but this the is second kind one, the yeah. four, fourth and four, and then you throw it. It's Yeah. just, I don't know. It's tough. Um, and then the second half, they just came out flat. They didn't put it in every time. I swear like 99 of the hundred times when a team When a team plays really well to start, but they're like not up as much as they should be, like Oregon State did, you know the other team's gonna win. It's like the it's like the oldest uh, kind of, I guess like uh, sports betting cliche you can find. Like you always hammer the team that had a super slow start, but is only behind by one score. So Right. I don't know. That was a tough one for them. Um, but yeah, what about what about any other thoughts, um, non football related? What have you been uh, watching for? <sighs> Boy, that's a good question. You know, Did I you did you watch Oregon's or Oregon State's basketball games on uh, Monday? no, I actually missed them. I I but you went to you went to Oregon's, right? Yeah, yeah. Boy, it was weird. Um, it was just empty in there. I mean, the student section was there, but there were very Dude, that's few fans. that, that's kind of that's kind of what happens when football's really good. Um, Yeah, like yeah. it, 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 basketball really turns into just like a January through through March sport. Um, Yeah, and it's not, I mean, it's it's Florida AM, so it's not, you know, some big match. I'll be interested to see how many fans they get for um when they with huge the they host other uh, three, Houston, yeah. who's number three in the nation in a in damn like a week really at this point, maybe less. Um but yeah, College I mean they college just basketball is so stupid, man. Like, Yeah, yeah, like it's they it's they schedule wild. all they schedule all these games and like, you know, I I know we're talking about with football how uh, Oregon's different in week one than they are now, but like I I think college basketball teams are far more different early in the season than they are late in the year. And here where they are scheduling these like, you know, top ten games. Anyways, it's it's fun. I I I love it. I love college basketball around the holidays, but. Uh, Ducks didn't quite get that sort of test uh, uh, Monday, right? No, exactly. I mean, it was weird because it looked like they were for a second and they end up winning by like, I think like 40 points, 30 something points. It just didn't seem as convincing as the box score then looked afterwards. And I don't know exactly why that was. And Folly Dante had a great game. He was kind of the only like really big standout. Other guys had good moments. Um, Bartholomew had some moments for sure. Um, But And the, every I mean, to your every every time Dante jumped, did you get a little like knot in your stomach, like knowing that you had just written about him last week? yeah i i i something's gonna happen i feel like i was worried i also i'm working on a piece about will and i was so glad i didn't put that one out because it looks like will's hand is still hurt i mean his jumper was just completely out of whack anyways um i think i was gonna say though is like i i understand what you're saying about like how much basketball teams change but the fact of the matter is the pac-12 is top heavy and it's been like that for several years And you saw it last year. It's so hard to get quality wins in this conference down um, late in the year that if they can pick off a Houston, um, if they can win out some games at the PK-85, I think UConn's their first one. I, don't, I forget who they would play if they win that one.
But if they can do that, unlike they did last year when they were just completely putrid on offense, it does a lot in the long run because, you know, I mean, there's more, there's more like uh, ranking and grading systems for the field of 64 now than there ever have been for, you know, the college football playoff. It's like nauseating looking at some of these numbers. It's a, uh, yeah, it, it, it would, it would be really nice for them to just not have to hold their breath because it, it seems like Oregon is either going to be like a top like three seed or it's like <laughs> win your way through the Pac-12 tournament or, or just cross your fingers and hope like just right. maybe, maybe win like two of these tough ones like here on this side of the schedule and just you know, give yourself a little bit of breathing room. Uh, yeah, I missed, uh, I missed the Blazers this week, which looking back seemed like a relatively costly week to miss the Blazers because not only did they beat Miami with a Josh Hart winner, but one actually did you see did you see the jerseys that just came out too? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about those? Uh I I'm over the Portland carpet thing. Like I I it's it's actually kind of like a cool one off jersey, but like I, I think somebody else tweeted it's just like man like all these things are talking about like like what's meaningful to the city and like for portland it's the airport like the carpet yeah i i don't <laughs> get it i don't get it at all I, I also just don't think they're very cool jerseys and on top of it all regardless of what it means for the city this and that like a lot of these city jerseys they come out with the colors make no sense for these teams now yeah. and historically and it just t- completely throws me off i did like the uh i saw like a couple of them are pretty nice. Like I like Atlanta's. Um, mm-hmm. I like New Orleans, but like, of course, they had a lot to work with. Um, well, and also those are the ones that, uh, especially like Atlanta's, like they look pretty damn similar to the ones they have now. Right. I don't know. I mean, for example, like Detroit, they have one that's like, it's like a dark green with some gold trim. And at first I was like, what? And then it turns out it's like, like a kind of commemorating this old church that was like the Mecca of Detroit hoops way back when I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But then you've got Portland who's copying, you know, carpeting in the airport. It's just a tough scene, but I'm, the Blazers are not a tough scene. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a Jersey snob by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I Portland's home in a way like their classic ones. Like those are really nice uniforms. Mm-hmm. They have never had like an alternate, or one of these one-offs or like sort of thing that I've ever liked. Like, I don't understand it. Like, especially like, especially in a state where, uh, you know, the college football team is so well known for, for its uniforms and, and that sort of thing. Like the, like the Blazers one-offs are usually just like, or like when it was like the black, like sash, like stripe mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like they're just like, none of them like are ever like particularly inspiring or even make you go like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, just yeah. not for me, especially, especially when like their regular jersey is so nice. Like I feel, anyways. I'm surprised they haven't played more with the, um, with the idea of roses. Maybe I'm forgetting something they did in the past few years, but it seems kind of like an obvious yeah, like, decision. Like, like even, like even the Timbers did that this year, and I didn't necessarily like the uh, the alternate. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I didn't like kit. Those, but kit kit is the word that we're using for this, <laughs> right? Uh, but Matches like, I, and kits. But like I res- I respect the effort, so I yeah, don't know. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we're recording it thir- We're recording Thursday, so they play tonight. They play the Pelicans, which I think will be a pretty big matchup. It's a return for Josh Hart, who hit that game winner, like you mentioned. Um, I know you said you hadn't watched them much this week. I've been trying to catch them when I can, um, although I have been busy too. But I'm really excited to see when Gary Payton comes back. And I think the biggest thing for me that's been so, I guess, inspiring towards um, 
the idea that the Blazers can continue the success is the fact that, um, yeah, they were only two and three when Dame was out, but the guys that they were bringing in, because um, they've had some other injuries now too, like Jeremy Grant missed a game, um, et cetera. And the guys that they're bringing in, like their second rounder from Colorado, Jabari Walker, like Keon Johnson, who had the bus label essentially after falling in the draft out of Tennessee. Like they're bringing these guys in and they're having like really impressive um, stretches where they're not making many mistakes. They're you know hitting some shots or having some energy plays. Um, the team just has a lot of, and you've, you know, you, you enjoy covering basketball a lot and you've watched a lot of basketball. Um, you know, when a team just has not just a lot of pieces, but the right type of pieces and pieces that work well together. Like it's pretty easy to see that early on. And I, I just feel like the Blazers have been an excellent example of that. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I know what you're getting at. It's like, it's like not only is like the quality of player good, but it's, it's like the jigsaw kind of effect. Like, mm-hmm. um, this is a really random example that came to my head, but like Danny Green can be on an NBA championship team, but not on every NBA championship team. <laughs> you know, right. Like, well, like or, or just even even just look at like, um, you know, Oregon hoops last year. They had three, you know, inefficient high volume guards, um, but they didn't have enough forward play and they couldn't always play. But they say like, it just didn't make sense together. Even if you liked all the pieces on paper, which is why I think for me, at least I, thought they were going to be much better than they were last year with the Blazers. They have the scoring guards, but what's so nice about what they've got going now. And it's, it's, it's something that's hard to get going. If you're a franchise in the NBA is, is the depth that wing with, with Grant, with Sharp now um, with Walker, with Johnson. And, and that's just not easy. Um, so I think that's, what's really jumped out at me and, you know, gives me and, and heart and it makes me think that, that this could be continued success um, despite the fact that there will be more injuries down the line. So who would they have to, who would they have to flip to get LeBron at the deadline this year? Because like LA has got to blow that thing up, right? Like they're, they're God off. Well, I, I thought, I thought, I thought Bill Orem had a, a pretty hysterical tweet today and it was, he Oh was yeah. Quote, I saw that. He, he was quote, he was quote treating, tweeting LeBron who was essentially defending Kyrie Irving. And Bill was like, people ask me if I like my new job better, better. And, uh, he was like, today I've been writing about airport carpets or, uh, yeah, Bill, welcome. Welcome to the sweet life, man. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring, bring up trading for a star because, and I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but I was listening to one, I think yesterday. Um, and they not completely joking throughout the idea of like, okay, like it's gone so badly in Brooklyn as well as LA if Durant does end up wanting out like we knew he did yeah. this summer like and then it was like the, the question was or would you be ready to give up sharp <laughs> and it's like i'll toss that one to you i'm curious what your uh, opinion i know there'd be a whole package but if, no, you, I, if it I, meant I, getting I, oof. Oof. it's a tough one would you trade dame for katie straight up <laughs> you know oh that's tough you, you know talking because about puzzle it, talking about puzzle pieces yeah. I, I think dame's value is more on portland than it's going to be on any other team um because i think because yeah. i think he kind of bring, brings that that leadership value as well um yeah it's you know i always thought that was a little overblown and cliche i, kn- I know he's a great leader but i always thought it was a little bit overdone with the whole narrative of him wanting to stay and be loyal but this season has been a, a as big a testament as any to that leadership because yeah, Simons is a high-scoring guy. Yeah, Grant's had some success, and Nurkic has been there. But, like, he's the star, and the whole team looks comfortable in the role. 
and that has to start with him, I'd imagine. So I've been impressed I'd, with that. I'd go, I'd go Simons, everyone else, but keep, keep sharp and Dame, and then go, you know, see what you can get with that. Cause like, yeah, yeah. Like I like sharp man. Like I, and, and he's like, you can already tell like the Portland crowd, like is, is already like in love with the guy too. I mean, like every, <laughs> like every time they play on Twitter, it's, it's, it's very rare that a, a Portland rookie has this general net positive of a, of a, just like a Q ranking. Um, and it's well, yeah, it's day. also rare that a Portland rookie can jump as high as this guy and has a smooth <laughs> yeah. jump shot. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Like I, it, it completely, it completely changes the outlook of things because I mean, obviously he's not a player that's necessarily going to like in his rookie year, suddenly lead Portland to the Western conference finals, but you kind of can see everything there. And it's and like, even what he's is now is still fun enough to, to probably warrant buying a ticket and going and watching down at the Moda. Well, and, and the last thing I'll say on him is like, it's been kind of a masterclass in, pacing uh, a rookie like what Billups has done essentially saying hey you know we know you're raw you haven't played in a while we're going to put you out there and we're going to make your job super simple just run jump cut when you're when you can you know if, if you're open shoot it but just play off these other guys he doesn't have to be a go-to guy he doesn't he doesn't have to handle the ball in pick and rolls he doesn't really do that at all really he's just kind of a spot up cutter and he's just lethal at that because um, he can jump so damn high. Um, and it makes me think that his development trajectory will kind of pan out just because the pacing and it kind of, it kind of reminds me of like NFL quarterbacks. Like, do you sit him? Do you start him right away? Do you don't want to ruin him? This and that. Um, and I just, I think Bill Phillips has done a nice job with that. And, you know, it's just like players like Sharp or people like me who just are gifted with our athletic abilities um, that that can carry you so much further than if you're having to put everything else together on top of like having to huff it in the gym too. So yeah. Uh, tell us about your training regimen. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I have a, I have a Herba Mate right now in my left hand. There's a, a cup of coffee next to it. So it's been, you call it a Herba Mate. Uh, a yerba mon what do you call okay. it? it it's a yerba you, you said yeah with an yeah, h you know it's herba we'll have to go back to the tape on that guiaki anyways uh <laughs> uh actually there i did see some good news today the uh the pre-classic which is traditionally held earlier in the summer it is delayed till september of next year because it is the final of the i might butcher this i but i believe it's the uh the diamond league um so the pre is going to be in September. That means I have a couple extra months uh, to not train for the the next year's media 400. Um, I like my chances of improving my time though. So uh, yeah, you got what anything is, else? What's gonna, well, I was just going to real, real quick. What's, what's the, what's the core we're going to do this spring? Is it going to become a, a track and field outlet? Um, the corridor, the corridor is hoping that we just ha like hit one story in December that goes viral, we make it just a shit ton of money and then we're just packing it up and moving to an island in the spring. That's that's the plan. Hawaii. Yeah. Eh, a little Fair expensive enough. a little expensive down there. We need something with a looser tax loss. Well or you know, you know, move it down the corridor to San Diego like you joked about earlier this week. I mean, there's kind of a reason why I named it what I named it. So it, it gives me some leeway. So uh if if next year we're doing this on on Zoom and it's on YouTube and you see me with palm trees in the background, uh, you probably know what happened. 
There you go. All right. Uh, see you in the press box Saturday. Sounds good. All right. Later, bud. Peace.